You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, and as always, coming at you from the beautiful land of Central Florida. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm always incredibly grateful and humbled for all of our listeners, so from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. Uh, I know that many of you are regular listeners of the podcast. Just want to remind you, if you are a regular listener and you have not yet had a chance to leave a review, could you do me a huge favor? Head over to whatever podcast app you're using and leave a review, whether you're using the podcast app on your iPhone or iPad, or whether you're using Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or a, a Droid app, whatever. Go ahead and leave a review in just about all of those platforms. The reviews help push us up to search rankings. Leave us a five-star review. Let the world know you love the podcast. That would be a big, big help to us. All right, let's dive into the question at hand. Uh, for those of you who are regular listeners, you will know that over the last several episodes, I've been dealing with several topics related to the resurrection of Jesus. And here is a question often brought up or sort of a critique or a challenge of the Christian faith, specifically the doctrine of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. People say that the disciples and the apostles, the early Christians, were hallucinating when they saw Jesus, right? So there are many skeptics out there that uh, that will challenge the fact that the disciples ever even saw Jesus Christ at all. However, there are other skeptics and other scholars that will grant or concede that the early Christians did indeed see an appearance of the resurrected Jesus, but they weren't uh, you know, appearances of the real Jesus, they were actually just hallucinations. So let's kind of, uh, let, let's address that idea. Number one, first and foremost, Jesus appeared to several groups of people several times. Over the course of 40 days, he appeared to multiple different groups. In one occurrence, it's documented that he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Now, you're telling me that all 500 people had the exact same hallucination at the exact same time? And you're telling me that every time he appeared to a group of people that they all hallucinated the exact same thing at the exact same time? Listen, although it is extremely, extremely rare and virtually impossible, there are rare moments where a handful of people may have a mass hallucination. However, they typically vary from one another, and typically it's a small group of people once. Jesus appears to people multiple times over the course of a 40-day period, several different groups, a diversity of groups, different types of people, and different locations. You you have to believe that all of these people at the exact same time on demand hallucinated the exact same thing? That's just simply illogical and irrational. Okay, is that possible? I guess it's in the realm of possibility, but typically in life, we don't believe the things that are in the realm of possibility. We believe the things that are most rational, most logical, and have the best evidence. And the idea that they hallucinated every single time the exact same way is simply irrational and illogical. Okay, number two, the appearances that Jesus made were not just to his followers, they were also to people who were not his followers, right? The hallucination theory would lead you to believe that there were these people who followed Jesus and they began to see him because they loved him so much and they missed him so much. But there were several people that didn't believe he was the Messiah and they believed he was dead, so there's no rational explanation as to why they would be hallucinating. Furthermore, if they had only hallucinated, it's unlikely 
that that would convert or change their life. But in some instances, we see that their lifestyle completely changed. Let me give you the best example is James, the younger brother of Jesus. The younger brother of Jesus, from what we can gather from the Gospels, was not a believer in Jesus. He, he believed that his older brother, he liked his older brother, um, probably to some extent, but he didn't necessarily believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe he was God incarnate, okay? But after Jesus appears to James, James's opinion completely changes. His lifestyle completely changes around. He becomes a convert, so much so where he becomes one of the apostles. He becomes a leader in the early church. He is considered the primary pastor in Jerusalem for the Jewish Christians. And somewhere around 65 AD, eventually gets martyred. He's stoned for believing in Jesus. Listen, what does it take for you to believe that your brother, your sibling, is God? Would a, would a mere hallucination do that? I don't think so. Okay, I think the only rational explanation is that James was not a believer, that he saw his older brother physically raised from the dead, and he realized that his brother Jesus was actually God, and that's what led him and inspired him to become a believer, so much so that he gave his life for it. Okay, he, he was confident enough that he had seen the risen Jesus, that he was willing to live his life in service of Jesus and eventually die for Jesus. Okay, third point and final point that I think is going to take a little bit of understanding of the first century uh, and how the first century Jewish person would have approached the idea of a resurrection. But this is very important to understand. Halu having a hallucination of the appearance of Jesus would not have caused a first century Jewish person to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. Let me unpack that. You got to remember what the Jewish people believed was that when a Jewish person died, that they went to Abraham's bosom, kind of this waiting place, waiting for it to be able to go to heaven one day. The Messiah would come and lead all the saints to, to heaven eventually. That That's sort of a prominent belief amongst Jews in the first century. The, the Jewish people were not necessarily under the assumption that Jesus was going to raise from the dead. In fact, we see in the Gospels that the disciples didn't realize he was going to raise from the dead, that when he died, they were sad and disappointed, and they were crushed because they didn't realize he was going to come back to life. So when they hallucinate and see Jesus, if it was a hallucination, when they hallucinate and see Jesus, they would not have expected that he had come back from the dead. They would have said, oh my gosh, we're seeing visions of Jesus in Abraham's bosom, or we're seeing visions of Jesus being exalted in heaven. And after these hallucinations, they would not have gone around saying, Jesus has risen. They would have gone around saying, Jesus is exalted. Jesus is in heaven. We don't have to worry about him being dead. He's in heaven, right? The, if you understand the context of a first century Jew, you understand that them seeing an appearance of Jesus in no way would have ever led them to saying, Jesus has risen from the dead. They would have said, Jesus has been exalted from Abraham's bosom, bosom up into heaven. Like, that's what they would have proclaimed. So the hallucination theory doesn't explain why they saw an appearance of Jesus and that led them to believe that he was risen from the dead. And so the idea that they hallucinated is simply irrational, illogical. It doesn't make sense. The only rational and logical explanation for the appearances of Jesus to the early Christians is this, that he did indeed raise from the dead, that he did indeed come back physically raising from death, and then he appeared to many people as the evidence that he is who he said he was. And who did he say he was? Jesus claimed to be God. The resurrection proves that. Man, what an incredible truth. 
Before I let you go, I want to give you two quick resources that you can check out if you're interested in studying the doctrine of the resurrection more. The first one is a book called The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus by Gary Habermas and Michael Lacona. These are two of the world's foremost experts on the resurrection. Love them both. Check that out. The other book I'd love to recommend is a book called Surprised by Hope, and it's written by N.T. Wright. He is a very famous Anglican theologian, lives in England. I disagree with him on a few things about theology, but when it comes to the historical nature of the resurrection and the historical nature of Christianity, there are very few people uh, in the world that are as as good uh, as N.T. Wright. So check out those two books. You can also go to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Look at the show notes for this episode, and links to those books will be on the site there. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, As I said earlier, I'm always grateful for all of our listeners. I sure hope this has been helpful and insightful and an encouragement to you. If you have any questions about this episode or any episode at all, or if you have a topic that you'd like to have addressed on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. You can send me an email at heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.